Right, good morning. Thank you very much for, well, thank you very much for coming. You didn't know that you were going to listen to me, uh, so I appreciate that you weren't necessarily informed in your choice this morning, um, but uh, this is what you have. Um, uh, this morning's message, we're continuing with the Breaking Chains series this morning, um, and I feel like this is the kind of message that needs some small print. I don't know if any, do we, do we have any avid readers of small print in the room here? One, one or, one or two. There's usually a few. There's, there's, and to be fair, they usually tend to be in the minority. I say they tend to be in the minority. I mean, we tend to be in the minority. People who scrutinize the nth degree of all the terms and conditions of anything signed up for. Have we got any, anyone like that in the room who, who really checks through all of the things before they sign up to iTunes or eBay? or Any, any, any people? A few? Yes? Good? Okay. Ultimate respect to, to all of you people. I think the majority of people in this room, if I'm reading the room correctly, therefore, fall into the category of, do you kind of see the terms and conditions apply, click here for more details and just gloss over it and check the, I have read the terms and conditions and agree fully to everything that they say. Anyone ticked one of those boxes with actually reading the terms and conditions? Excellent. Good. It's good to see. Is, are, are any of you people at all concerned that Apple at some point are going to turn up and repossess your house because you've inadvertently signed up? And I think some conditions further down the line. Um, and that's why I think this morning's preach needs a little bit of small print, because I want you to know what you're getting into before you sign on the dotted line, so to speak. Uh, but we will get there in a minute. Um, my wife and I have slightly different approaches to small prints, uh, kind of alluded to already. I'll give you an example. Um, my wife is very, is a very big picture person. She sees what she wants, and she has a very clear idea of exactly what she wants. And the detail as to how exactly she gets there, she very much is keen to delegate that responsibility. So at the moment, we're going through a bit of a, um, a, a kind of experience with our washing machine. Washing machines are one of these things that fall into the kind of banal background side of life that nobody ever really talks about. So I'm just going to elevate it for, bring it forward into the limelight a little bit. Um, our washing machine is on its last legs. I think that's, that's fair to say. We've had it for 10 years, maybe yeah, 11 years. It's done well. I mean, I'm not, not complaining in any way, shape or form, but it is making the kind of noises that if it was an animal, you would put it down. It's that sort of situation at the moment. And we have, so we've been looking around, we've been shopping online, looking at what we potentially might look to replace it with. And I'll just give you a flavor for the difference in our approaches. So for instance, um, when Re has looked for a new washing machine, essentially the criteria that said I can put things on last thing at night and it'll be ready the next morning without having sat in the machine all night. Very important feature if you have children. It needs to have a quick wash function and it needs to wash clothes. That very much is the criteria that Re has given to me. Um, and, she, and I say she's given to me because she essentially gave it to me and said, right, now you need to go and decide which one we actually need to get. And the reason she's done this is because my approach will be something like this. So there are 36 different options. 24 of them are from brands I've never heard of. So 12 of them are from reputable brands. This one is a nine and a half kilogram load, which is relatively big, but a 10 and a half kilogram load would be better. But it's a B rated energy rating rather than an A plus 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 energy rating. Quite why we need that many pluses, I have no possible idea. But in the current financial climate, we really need to be aware of the energy rating of the appliances. Otherwise, we'll have to look at changing energy suppliers, and that's a whole different small print 
conversation. The time delay function does 12 hours, whereas this one does 24, but who actually needs to delay your clothes for 18 hours? Um, this one is a smart device, so it connects to the Wi-Fi, which allows you to change the settings on the washing machine from your phone. I know. Obviously, you can't load clothes into the washing machine from your phone. Um, so there's not a great deal of point there, but it will notify you when it's finished. Um, so if you're at work, you can worry about how long your clothes are sitting wet in the washing machine. Um, on the plus side, it does come in grey, silver, black, white, and fuchsia. I know, not really sure what fuchsia is, but apparently it does make the clothes smell a little bit nicer. Um, it has a 20 degree, 30 degree, 40 degree, 50 degree, 60 degree, 70 degree wash, synthetic wash, cotton wash, linen wash, silk wash, extra rinse function, and will spin at different speeds variable at 200 RPM intervals somewhere between 400 and 1400 RPM, there or thereabouts. Well, there is a, I know I had to pause for breath there. Well, there is a quick wash function here. There's actually no indication of how quick that quick wash function actually is. And quick being a possible variable, it could be anywhere between 20 minutes and an hour and a half. So it is a little bit of a gamble. There's also no indication at all as to whether it's any good at washing clothes. Um, but it's probably not going to sound like a jet aircraft taking off, and it's also we're not going to need to worry about it bursting into flames halfway through a wash cycle, so it's probably an upgrade on our current machine. And that's the difference in our approaches. I think that's probably fair to say. Uh, we haven't made a decision yet, no. Um, it probably won't be the Fuchsia one, I'll be honest. Um, I'm still not really sure what Fuchsia is. There wasn't a picture on the website. It's all a bit weird, but... Um, Sometimes we need to know what we're getting ourselves into. And um, I think this morning, I wanted to start with a genuine disclaimer for this message. Um, and so this is, this is the, the disclaimer that I wrote down. And I do want you to think about it and take it seriously. Um, but also, we'll get through it together. It'll be all right. So for this morning, the view, changes in emotional state, increased questioning of personal choices, need to seek out prayer and pastoral support. Long-term side effects, if properly applied, may include, but are not limited to, increased sense of peace, joy, renewed purpose, love, and compassion for others, and freedom. Please note, impact may vary between individual listener. Length of process may vary, dependent upon individual circumstance, history, and attitude. Listener discretion is advised. If you are affected by any of the issues raised in this morning's message, then please speak to one of our prayer or welcome team who will be available for you after the event. Are we happy with that? Okay, good. So, this morning, um, we're talking about breaking chains, and we're talking very specifically about breaking chains of unforgiveness. And just by putting that up on the screen, you can see why I put a disclaimer out there. Because this is one of those subjects that creates some challenge for us, particularly if we genuinely want to do something about it. And that really is what the choice is going to be for you this morning, is do you want to listen to a nice message, be a little bit inspired and go away and carry on living life the way that you were before? Or do you genuinely want to do something about what potentially could be a significant challenge to you in the way that you live your life. I know that I've found it challenging putting this together, just in terms of how I need to apply some of the stuff that I was reading and, and actually kind of writing in what we do. But it's kind of based out of um, the 
quote that Jesus came and stood in front of a synagogue and spoke to the people in Luke chapter 4, which isn't actually going to be on the screen because I've sprung this on the tech guys, so apologies. Um, But he's quoting the prophet of Isaiah. It's Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is what Jesus came to do. That is what I believe he has come to do with you this morning, if you would like him to. And you have to choose whether you're going to go, you know, sign on the dotted line and go through the terms and conditions and everything else. But that's the goal and that's the objective. And I I wanted to start this morning by setting the tone for this morning, because what we're going to talk about could be difficult, it could be painful. But we're going to set a goal and we're going to work towards that goal and start the journey of working towards that goal. And I've deliberately tried to make this as practical as I can. So there will be some practical homework for you to take away, potentially. But I think it's something that will genuinely help um, and to break some of those chains and things that, that can sometimes restrict our lives and hold us back in many different ways. Um, and to, in terms of setting that goal, I want to go to Colossians 3. So Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. So we've got about six different verses here. Okay, um, This is essentially one of those passages that you read in the Bible and you think, that's a bit of a tall order. And it very much is an aspirational thing because it's one of those passages that says, this is how you should be living your life. Or this is how I want you to live your life. Or probably more accurately, this is the kind of life that I want you to experience. And so that's the goal that we're going to set this morning. So Colossians 3 verse 12 12 to 17 says this, God has chosen you. That's a good place to start. And that's the context for everything that follows. God has chosen you and made you his holy people. He loves you. If you can just grasp that, you will be ahead in life. So your new life should be like this. Doesn't matter what your life was like yesterday. New life should be like this. Show mercy to others. Be kind, humble, gentle, and patient. Don't be angry with each other, but forgive each other. If you feel someone has wronged you, forgive them. Forgive others because the Lord forgave you. Together with these things, the most important part of your new life, the most important part of your new life is to love each other. Love is what holds everything together in perfect unity. Let the peace that Christ gives control your thinking. It's for peace that you were chosen to be together in one body. And always be thankful. Let the teaching of Christ live inside you richly. Use all wisdom to teach and counsel each other. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Everything you say and everything you do should be done for Jesus your Lord. And in all you do, give thanks to God the Father through Jesus. Do you notice how it starts with God and it ends with God? So there's a responsibility in the middle to choose well and to choose wisely. But ultimately it starts and finishes with Jesus. That's the context for what we're talking about. So when we set aspirational goals of always be kind to each other, always speak well, always demonstrate love... 
it starts and finishes with Jesus. Which removes some of the pressure, I think. Because the reality is we're not going to get this right all the time. And we don't get this right all the time. Anyone who has spent any time with any other human being on the planet knows that we don't get this right all the time. Okay? But we know what we should be doing and we know how we should be living. But there's a gap often between where we are and where we want to be. What life is like now and what we would like it to be. What life is like now and what Jesus would like it to be. So what we want to do this morning is try and close that gap a little bit. It'll be the start of a journey, but we know the direction that we're heading in. And we know the context in which we're doing it. Because when we talk about forgiveness... Most of the time, the problem is not that we don't know that we should forgive other people. Okay, I think most people in this room would have a kind of concept and an understanding that when somebody does something wrong to them, we should forgive them. And we know that. The problem is that we don't. Or we don't always. Or we don't often. Or we don't sometimes, depending on your particular persuasion. Impact may vary between listeners. And the reason that we don't is because forgiveness, if we're entirely honest, is hard. It's difficult. Because for most of us, it has changed and it's evolved. And life has changed and evolved from when we were kids. And for some of us, I appreciate, childhood was an incredibly painful and traumatic time as well. So I don't mean to kind of be dismissive of that in any way, shape or form. But as a general rule, when you started having those conversations around, uh, potentially at school, about someone has done something to you, you need to say sorry and forgive them and all of that. Life has evolved very much since then. And actually what we're talking about when we talk about forgiveness can be incredibly traumatic and painful experiences that go beyond the who took the ball off me at playtime. Which makes it difficult, doesn't it? And in some ways that makes sense. In other ways, it almost shouldn't make it difficult because if the blood of Jesus has covered everything and Jesus has come to set us free from everything then it should just be a case of giving it over to Jesus allowing him to come in change us and therefore change the way that we are and the way that we act and it is that simple but it also doesn't feel that simple and doesn't outwork as that simple in life in general. And there's a lot, I've personally wrestled with that issue because, again, it falls into that category of how things should be and how they actually are. And this is why when we talk about unforgiveness, we're talking about breaking chains. Because chains are things that will restrict us, that will hold us back, and often prevent us from entering into the life that Jesus has for us. And sometimes we need those to be broken, and we need to play an active part in breaking those chains to be able to step into that life and to enter into that life. And so we're going to talk about forgiveness a little bit. And I I personally, I find forgiveness a little bit of a object um, because I often find that I have a double standard with forgiveness. I very much, and and I appreciate, I'm not speaking universally, I'm going to come to this in a minute, but um, I generally don't have an issue with people forgiving me. I, I really like people to forgive me. Um, I, I genuinely don't have an issue with Jesus forgiving me and with God forgiving me. Now, that is, that is not universal for everyone, I appreciate, because for some of us, we carry around a huge amount of guilt. And if we were to make a list of all the people that needed forgiveness in our life, we would be at the top. Or even if you can't make that list of people 
that you need to forgive, you could make a list of people that you're angry with. And we might be at the top as number one. And if that is the case, what I do want to say is that Jesus came not to steal, kill, or destroy. The enemy came to steal, kill, or destroy. Jesus came that you may have life in all its fullness. His desire for you is not to live in guilt. His desire is not to live in condemnation because Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you are at the top of your list of people that you struggle to forgive, you need Jesus this morning. And we want to pray for you and help you with that journey. But for most of us, we don't have an issue with being forgiven ourselves. We quite like and enjoy that experience um, and certainly appreciate the freedom that that brings. What we tend to have an issue with is forgiving other people. Um, and we can be quite selective about who we choose to forgive and who we don't. And we almost apply this kind of spectrum of things that, okay, that's not so bad. It didn't hurt me that much. So I'll happily forgive that one. But there are some things in my life that I'm just not willing to forgive. Or sometimes it's not even that clear cut. Sometimes it is a case of I'm not actually willing to even address it or look at it or deal with it or think about it or talk about it. Because it was such a painful experience. And sometimes it's even a case that it was such a painful experience and so long ago that you can't even really remember what the original issue was. You just know that there's something not right. And you know that there's something sitting there and again if you were to make that list and I say if you were to make that list remember I said about practical homework that I wanted you to do we're going to do something that's a little bit um, challenging I say this morning possibly this afternoon maybe later on this week if you would like to because I genuinely think that this will help but I also think that you need to go through the whole process so we're going to do step one step two and step three it's really important you don't stop at step one or step two, that you go to step three. And I'll explain that as we go along. But step one, genuinely, if you are somebody who wants to make a tangible difference and actually change the way that you feel, your anger towards other people, your bitterness and resentment that you feel towards other people, you're tired of living with unforgiveness, bitterness and resentment, and you want to change that, step one of that process could be make a list of all the people that you're angry with. Make a list of all the people that you can't forgive. Write them down. The reason I say write them down is because it puts it in a tangible place. Not in the kind of background of your mind whirling around. It actually sets it out in front of you. Now, there may be, you may be on that list. I certainly am on my list at various different, or have been on my list at various different stages. There may be family on that list. There may be friends on that list. There may be people that you've never even really known who they are. I have people, I have people on my list that I can't even remember their names. I'm not sure I ever knew their names originally. I have people on my list who aren't alive anymore. I have people on my list who I, I couldn't get in touch with if I tried. And I'm very unlikely to interact with ever again in my entire life. Which creates that challenge of if you're dealing with forgiveness... You know, for you to forgive somebody else, they don't have to be present. You don't have to have that conversation that often all of us crave where they come and ask for your forgiveness and you give them that forgiveness very graciously. But you need that conversation. Some of us have told ourselves, we, you know, we're not going to forgive them until they ask for it or unless they ask for it. 
you don't need that conversation to happen. There may be people in your life that you have no idea who they actually are. You just know that they said something or you interacted with them in some way that created some sort of pain response. And that's impacted you and affected you further down the line. And so what I'd say is, make that list and write it down. That's step one. The reason I say that is because it's important to pin down exactly what the root cause of things are. The Bible talks about a bitter root. Don't allow a, a bitter root to grow up and contaminate many or defile many. And sometimes we need to find out what the root of that feeling is. So if you're angry, why are you angry? What's the root cause of that? Because sometimes it's not proportionate. Pain is a really interesting thing. And it's really interesting from the point of view that um, we experience pain as part of our natural development process. And the way that we often learn about how the world works is through pain. Just think about physical pain, for instance. You learn not to touch a hot stove because you touch a hot stove and it hurts. So you learn, your body instinctively interprets that pain and reinforces the messaging within your brain of, well, I'm not going to do that because that's going to happen. And we do that with physical pain, but we also do that with emotional pain. And you'll know that if you've had difficult relationships, broken relationships, and then going into another relationship, you carry often the pain from the previous relationship with you. Or certainly you carry the experience. You carry the hesitancy to get involved to a certain extent, the hesitancy to be as vulnerable as you were before. Sometimes we say things like, well, I'm never going to let someone hurt me like that again. Sometimes it's not that conscious. But we still choose our pattern of behavior on the basis of the pain experience that we have had before, because that is how our body and our brains are designed to work. It reinforces, something painful happens, so it reinforces in your brain the connections that are related to a certain pattern of behavior that will stop you from getting hurt in that way again. The problem is, quite a lot of us know, that that creates problems in future relationships, in other interactions. You know, we can be an angry and bitter person who doesn't let anybody else ever get close. And it prevents us from experiencing the joy of a true relationship. It, ex it prevents us from experiencing the joy of a vulnerabil vulnerability in relationships. It prevents us sometimes from entering into that relationship with God. Because we're afraid of being let down. Because we've been let down by other people. Because we feel let down by God sometimes. God might be on your list. That's okay. I genuinely think he's big enough to take it. I don't know whether that's biblical or not, but I do genuinely believe that sometimes we need to recognize that we're angry at God. I spent a significant portion of my teenage years angry at God because I felt that I blamed, well, I certainly blamed him for some of the things that had happened. Because, again, logically, he could step in and stop things from happening at any point and chose not to, therefore, in my mind. Now, that's not accurate, and that's not, there's a warped way of seeing how God works and seeing how God's, because the reality is God was there in every situation, with everything that happened, in every atom and fiber of my being, our being, everybody in those situations. Jesus was there experiencing it and going through it with us and knows the pain that we experience and came to take that pain away and came to resolve some of that hurt, well, all of that hurt 
and pain and anguish and distress. What we have to do is let him and recognize where that root cause is. And so what we end up with sometimes is a learned response. It's like a conditioned reflex. You have that pain that you experience and therefore you have a pattern of behavior that causes you to respond to it. We need to break that chain of that patterned response to pain that prevents us from entering into that life in all its fullness that Jesus talks about, but for so many of us feels so unattainable because we're still clinging on to the patterns of behavior that we've learned through pain that we've never actually given over to Jesus to manage and to deal with. And the solution is forgiveness. But we often don't want to do that because we want to hold on to our anger and bitterness and resentment. We feel that we're justified in holding on to our anger and bitterness and resentment. That is not God's will for you. That's not God's desire for you. And we need to choose to let it go. We need to change and close the gap between that life and the one that we're currently living and going through. So that was step one. Again, if you want to. Step one, write down that list. Who is on that list? Step two, and this might even be harder. I didn't say it was easy homework. I apologize. Step two is what are you angry with them for? What do you need to forgive them for? Remember I said that don't stop at step one. Don't stop at step two. We're going for step three. You need to forgive. Step two is what do you need to forgive them for? Now that may make your list even more extensive. There might be people on that list that need a whole page or booklet to themselves. You might need a whole page or booklet to yourself. That's okay. We're trying to get to the root of the problem here and the root of bitterness. And sometimes that's difficult because sometimes, like I said, we're not even sure what we're angry about. There's a verse in Psalm 139 that really helps with that. Psalm 139, 23 to 24 says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Sometimes we need that. We need God to come in, search us, show us what's the root cause. Why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? Because I don't know. Jesus, come in, help me with that process and help me to find that. Because God is able to reveal where you need his grace. Um, A different version of that verse, verse 24, uh, an easy read version, which Rob actually put me onto, which is a brilliant version of the Bible, genuinely. Um, I don't know how accurate it is closely related to Greek, but it is a fantastic, really easy to read way of um, communicating some real truths. Psalm uh, 139 verse 24 in that version says, make sure that I'm not going the wrong way. Lead me on the path that has always been right. And I love that translation because what it says is the way that I've always seen this isn't necessarily the right way. And that willingness to admit that you might be wrong is key to this process. It's key to the process of forgiveness, but it's key to the process of recognizing, actually, Jesus, do you know what? You know more than I do. And I want your way, not mine. But as I've said, that's stage two. And it's really important that we don't stop at stage two because stage three is take that list, all of those people, all of those things that you're angry about, all of that forgiveness and give it to Jesus. 
And what happens with self-help and everything else is we stop at stage two. With stage three, we cast all of our burdens, cast all of our cares, all of our worries, all of our anxious thoughts, all of our concerns onto Jesus. Why? Because he cares. 1 Peter 5.1, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. For he always tenderly cares for you. Cast your burdens onto Jesus because he cares for you. That's the missing ingredient. Take it to Jesus. The reason that you have to do stage three is because in our own strength, we can't forgive at stage two. If you write that list, there will be things on that list that you think, I can't forgive that. I don't want to forgive that. I'm not going to forgive that. Stage three brings the blood of Jesus, the grace of Jesus into that process and says, do you know what, God? I want to forgive this, or even I want to want to forgive this. I don't want to at the moment, but I want to want to forgive this stuff. But I need you. Because I can't do this on my own. I've been trying to do it on my own for 37 years, and it's not working. Jesus, will your grace come and cover the areas that I can't do? And then you start. And it is start a journey. This is not a one hit, write down the list, give it to Jesus, brilliant, life is amazing. It is starting that journey of Jesus' grace, kindly, gently coming in and changing those things, one at a time. So long as you engage with the process... And don't do it alone either. There are people at the front who are going to pray for, pray for you afterwards. Don't do this on your own. Come and talk to them. If you're in a small group, talk to your small group. I apologize, small group leads. I may have just created a huge number of pastoral issues for you. But please do engage with people that you know, who know Jesus, who love you, and are committed to you. If they are some of the people also on your list, be gentle with that. Because that's possible. But give it to Jesus. Allow the grace of Jesus to come in. Because it's not in your strength. It's in his. Because ultimately forgiveness is a gift. And I've got three very quick points. Which are right at the end. And going to be really swift, swift succession. But this is the context. Forgiveness is a gift. Primarily it is a gift for you. And this is where we get forgiveness wrong. Because we automatically assume that when we forgive somebody else, almost subconsciously, when we forgive someone else, actually what we're doing is giving them a gift. What we're doing is saying, actually, it's all right. We're validating what they said. Don't worry about it. We're, we're releasing them. Primarily, first and foremost, forgiveness is a gift for you. It's a gift from God, but it's a gift for you. Because what it does is it releases you from the anger, the bitterness, the disappointment, and everything else that is there. Forgiveness is about us. You know, what somebody did to me is between them and God, because that's their actions. What's between me and God is my response to that. And we need to take responsibility for that decision. And they may not even be alive anymore. You may never even see them anymore. You can still release that connection of bitterness and resentment and anger that is affecting you. Not affecting them, it's affecting you. And forgiveness is the way to do that. And it may mean that you need to do it over and over and over again. That's okay. But start.
and start on that journey. Forgiveness is also a gift for others because your freedom will impact those around you. You know, if you are less angry, and have you ever spent time with someone who's angry at the world in general? Not pleasant to be around. And I apologize to those of you who've spent time with me when I've been in that mood. It's, it's not, you know, you, it will, if you forgive, if you start on this journey, I genuinely believe it will have a positive impact on your other relationships, on your family. It's a gift for you, it's a gift for others. But ultimately, it is a gift of God. Because it comes from him. We have to participate in it. We have to actively choose to forgive. But he is the one with the source of grace, the source of love, the source of peace, the source of strength that will allow us to do that. So we want to start on that journey today. And can I encourage you, don't start alone. But do start. Because it will be worth it. And pour out your worries, your anxious thoughts on Jesus. Leave them there because he tenderly cares for you. There's another passage very similar to the one in Colossians in Ephesians 4. And I'm just going to take the first verse and the last verse of this passage, which is verse 20, sorry, chapter 4, verse 23 to 32. Because ultimately, this is my prayer for you this morning, which is, you must be made new in your hearts and in your thinking. Be that new person who was made to be like God, truly good and pleasing to him. And then the last verse is this. Be kind and loving to each other. Forgive each other the same as God forgave you through Christ. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for everybody here. God, I thank you for our lives. God, for all of the journeys that are represented here, for every experience that we have gone through. And Jesus, I thank you that you were there in every single experience and that you know you understand the impact that it's had on us. Father, I pray that as we start this journey towards breaking those chains of unforgiveness, God, that you will help us, you will strengthen us, you will pour out your grace. God, that you highlight to us the things that we need to know, the things that we need to change. But Jesus, ultimately, we give it to you. And we thank you that we can do that. God, that we can give you our cares, our worries, our burdens, and we can leave them there. Father, I pray for the strength to do that for everyone here this morning. Amen.